All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 28 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger, along with Frank Saravalli. We're coming to you live from the woodjerseys.com studio. You see the wood jersey right behind me, the Boston Bruins. It is sleek. You, I probably should zoom in on it because the intricacies of that jersey probably don't come across as great. It looks fantastic. You can get your own. It's a, it's a wooden jersey. It's officially licensed NHL product, and uh, they're getting more and more teams by the day. So check it out at woodjerseys.com. Dot com. Frank, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Jason. How you doing? You know what? I'm pumped, man. Here, here we are. We playoff the, the time. Playoff time officially begins uh, tomorrow with the uh, Bruins and the Capitals. And then you have uh, everybody else starting Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And then the North gets going. Uh, really almost a week, I guess, for Toronto and Montreal. And the North has some back-to-back. I know some people are complaining. I love it. I love back-to-back games in the playoffs. I used to, maybe it's because I grew up watching those series where it was four games in five days. There are commercial flights. Like, give me a break that players can't play one set of back-to-back games. They did it in the bubble last year. They'll do mm-hmm. it fine this year. Yeah, and to be fair, in a normal year with a normal schedule, there are sometimes they're back-to-backs totally. just due to building availabilities. Like, that happens. I'd have to think the teams in the North, though, are thrilled with with just at least getting a chance to breathe. You know, you can, even if you're playing a game like the Toronto Maple Leafs are 
on Friday night, you know, you got a couple days to catch your breath. And also if you wanted to rest guys, you can. And so everyone's kind of able to take their foot off the gas a little bit. Not that anyone wants to see meaningless late season hockey, but it, it certainly beats the alternative of trying to ram this in and start those series on Saturday. I just think the product's going to be better. Oh, hundred percent. And uh, last night, uh, first place uh, decided the Colorado avalanche first in the West. Also they get the president's trophy. So they will hey. have home ice. That's it. I want to stop you right there. President's trophy. That's my gripe, my rant, frankly speaking. Okay. Well, let's get why, right to let's get why, right to it right now. Why do people shit on the president's trophy? Everyone says, oh, well, if you win, you know, it's a meaningless piece of hardware. Go back and look at the statistics. Eight out of 33 president's trophy winners have won the Stanley Cup. If you're telling me I can have a 25% chance to win the Stanley Cup, I'm taking it every single time. I am taking that hardware. I am hanging a banner in my arena, and I'm going to hope to hang another one next to it. But to say that it's meaningless, is it, like it means you're the best team in the league. You have home ice advantage throughout. And by the way, you get a $30,000 bonus per player. That's like putting 250 grand on your board to win a regular season game like the Colorado Avalanche had to do to capture the president's trophy. You mean to tell me that they weren't going out and trying to do it? Absolutely. And so I don't buy for one second. I know you have a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning upset, swept in the first round against the Columbus Blue Jackets a couple years ago. That happens. There's upsets every year. It doesn't matter whether you're the number one overall seed or not. I'm taking a 25% chance every single time. Dude, I, I completely agree with that. I, um, people mocking it, they think, well, if you finish first, first of all, there's a one in 16 chance, right, to get in. So now you're already automatically improving that by being the president's trophy because you're the best team. And to be the best team, whether it's 56 games, whether it's 70 games last year, whether it's 82 games, whatever the season is, like that's a grind. That means you're consistent all year long. And, and the playoffs, let's be honest, sometimes it can be bad luck. We've seen, hey, no, nothing more... Uh, recognizable than Steve Smith in game seven of 1986, right? Like, you know, the, the Oilers could have won. I think they were the first president's trophy winner, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one where bad luck can happen in a short period of time. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer that you, you are president's trophy winner. Damn right. I'd rather hang that trope, that banner than some of the other ones I see teams, uh, division winner or something else. Yeah. Or Hey, sometimes, Hey, nine sellouts for uh, Garth Brooks. Uh, That's hanging in uh, Edmonton. I'm not necessarily a big fan of that banner, but that's a totally different thing. So no, I'm, I'm all for the president's trophy, man, Colorado, Really good team they've had, especially in COVID year, man, when you've got people dealing with COVID and and the after effects of COVID and, Mm -hmm. you know, more injuries than than we've seen in a short period of time. Lots of more, like, look at how many players played in the NHL this year, Frank, in a 56-game season. More than Mm -hmm. we've ever seen before, ever, right? Because of injury, taxi squad, whatever. A thousand players, I think, made it to the NHL this year. It's It's usually somewhere around 750, 780, 800 in an odd year. This yeah, is crazy. Heard of. Yeah. By the way, and I, I also think in mentioning the Colorado Avalanche and winning the President's Trophy that I sensed a significant bit of arrogance with regards to the Vegas Golden Knights this week in particular and how they've handled their, their roster construction and their salary cap all season long. You know, Kelly McCrimmon held a press conference when they went with 15 skaters the other night, 10 and five. And they actually had a chance to clinch the president's trophy that night when they played and, and didn't get it done, but their salary cap has pushed them into a situation where they had to make really tough decisions. And they iced 
a short lineup in 10 out of the 56 games this year. They gambled with the salary cap in a way that no team in the NHL has before. And you might say, oh, but I'd make, and this is exactly what Kelly McCrimmon said, is I'd make the same choices again because, look, we're playing for the President's Trophy, and that's great. But if you didn't ice a short lineup, chances are you would have already won the President's Trophy. They have five of their 14 regulation losses come with a short lineup, including the one the other night. And I just, it could have been, hand, everything could have been handled better. Do you need the one extra guy every time? Do you need to put yourself in that kind of position, salary cap jail, that you can't ice a lineup? Like it might happen to one team every now and again throughout a season, but to routinely do it and have 10 out of 56 games, that seems like salary cap malpractice to me. I didn't know it was 10 games. <clears throat> Honestly, I, I, I remember I thought I counted three or four. I didn't go back all the way. So that's, that's eye-opening to me for sure. So that's, it's, it's one where you're right. You're, and, and it's a home ice advantage for a series now. Like we can talk presence trophy, but most people look at the Colorado and, and Vegas. And I think most people are expecting both of them to win. Mm -hmm. And now that you're getting fans back in the building, I think home ice advantage becomes more important. It's still important even without fans because of mm -hmm. last change and matchups. But what if Vegas loses now, Frank, in game seven? What if they the lose to Minnesota instead of having potentially to beat St. Louis? Like it, it, it creates a totally different, to me, I'd much rather face St. Louis, even though they won the Stanley Cup in 2019. They don't have the consistency. They don't have the uh, goaltending. Their defense is obviously weaker. It's a lot different to me playing St. Louis than a Minnesota team that really kept pace with you almost all season long. Uh, the playoffs are set. And do you, of the number four seeds, which is Montreal, then you've got St. Louis, you got the Islanders, and you got Nashville. Who do you like as the, the best upset of any three or four seed, I'll say? Hmm. I, I think the New York Islanders. Um, but I really want to say the Nashville Predators and only because of UC Soros. I don't think we're talking about that enough, how ridiculously well he played. I don't know his final number in terms of, did he play 25 games, 948 save percentage? If you post a 948, you're winning your playoff series. I don't care what team you're playing against. That's happening. Can he do it in the playoffs? Not sure. Carolina's really good. I think Carolina could win the Stanley Cup no questions asked. Like if you said to me, we'll do, you know, you said to me two months later, the Carolina hurricanes won the Stanley cup. I wouldn't be surprised in the least, but I don't think this is going to be a cakewalk in the first round against Nashville. You know what, Frank, uh, I, I had somebody text me yesterday. He's like, I think you should dive deeper on Nashville. So I spent last night looking at some of Nashville stats in the second half of the season. Nashville has the, uh, the fourth best record in the entire NHL. And that's in a division with Carolina, Florida, and Tampa. They um, had to play well to get in. We'll look at yeah. their numbers. Like it, it was a prerequisite. You don't get in if you don't play well. Over the last half of the year, Frank, their goals against average is 2.07. Basically, they're only allowing two goals a game. Now, their penalty kill still looks terrible on the year, but that's because it was so bad early on. It's actually 86% in the second half of the season. The one weakness is their power play. The other weakness is their big guys up front just don't produce much for the salary yeah, they're making. Right, the scoring that's, goals, right. That's their concern, but you're bang on. And you wonder if, if they can frustrate Carolina 
Like I'll take UC Saros and, and I'll be honest, UC Saros. If uh, I, I, I was skeptical because of height, there's just not many small goalies who have that mm-hmm. success, but he's been, uh, he's been appointment viewing as a goaltender. And I'm a, I'm a guy who loves offense, but some of the saves he's made, have been mind blowing. And the one thing the Preds have right now, they've got that. They've got a few guys on their fourth line. Tanner Janot has got five goals in 15 games down the stretch. I knew him from the Moose Jaw Warriors. He's a big body. One of the greatest kids works his rear end off. And you get those unexpected guys in the playoffs. That's mm-hmm. a real tough matchup. That Sisson's Janot line right now for the Predators. It's not a big name line, but don't be surprised to see them give Carolina all sorts of fits. By the way, who's starting in goal for Carolina? Is it Alex Najokovic? I, I would think it is based on his numbers. 932 save percentage. He was amazing this year too. Do you go with a, an untested rookie in the playoffs? I know he's won a Calder Cup. Or do you go with the the tested and true Peter Morazic? I'm going to go with uh, Nadelkovic, who, by the way, any team could have got on waivers way back in uh, January. Did, what did I call you? You said his name right, Nadelkovic. I did I call him Nadjokovic? What is he? No, I, know, I, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. It's embarrassing. Not, yeah. <laughs> they call yeah, him no. Ned. That's all I know. That the team calls him Ned. That's it. I get it. I totally. But yeah, Nashville's a team that, you know what? I wouldn't be stunned. Obviously, I love Carolina. I think they're really good. But Nashville is rolling right now. I, I um, you know, the Islanders. It's hard to call it a, a big upset in the East because the yeah. teams are all so close. They're six points apart. Like Boston's, you know, the number three seed. But I'm actually going to pick the Bruins uh, in that series. And, and no uh, one's picking know, the Habs, right? Uh, I don't. You know what's funny about the Habs, Frank? I'll say this: you, you when you dig into numbers, so the, the Canadians before they had to play those ridiculous twenty-four game stretch, right? They were seventy-two and like thirty-eight at uh, at five on five. They were killing teams. Then all of a sudden, they play all these games in a short period of time, and they get murdered five on five. I wonder if they're rested and healthy. I still think Toronto wins, but I don't be, I won't be surprised if Montreal squeaks out two games in that series. If Carey Price and Gallagher and Weber play, because when they're healthy, the Habs five on five are a tough team to play against and they're rested. That's a lot of ifs. Um, fair. Plus, Hey, what about Toronto's power play? Frank, how can it be? Have I looked, I've never seen in the history of the NHL, a power play be 33% for the first 20 games. And then 11% in the final 35, and they have the league's leading goal score. What did the O-Dog say on on the DFO rundown on Monday? He said, uh, I'm not really advocating for anyone to be stationary, but God, do something different. Like, I mean, that's what they're looking for, I would think, is, is to try and find a way with all that talent to get the puck in the net. But the X factor for Montreal is Brendan Gallagher. You can make a case for Shea Weber and being rested and Carey Price if he's healthy. That team was so easy to play against. You need that Brendan Gallagher, blood coming out of his mouth, maniacal smile, sitting on the bench in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That guy's the heartbeat of that team. And they haven't had him. And so I just think adding him back in and he drags everyone else into the fight makes that team so much harder to play against. So I know we did our picks on Monday for the North and the Central. So uh, who are your uh, who are your two teams and ultimate winner in the East and two teams and ultimate winner in the West? Okay, I'm going to say Washington takes out Boston and I think Pittsburgh topples the New York Islanders. Topple, maybe not the right word, but then that sets up Washington and Pittsburgh and I like Washington to win the East. And then in the West, I've got Colorado over St. Louis, and I've got Vegas over Minnesota, but I think it's going to be closer than people think. And I 
think when it all comes down to it, push comes to shove, I think Vegas beats Colorado. I, I agree with uh, your West picks. Uh, even though I love Colorado, I just, if they had Eric Johnson, I would take Colorado. Really? And, EJ uh, to you is the difference maker. I just, I just think that's such a big loss on the back end come playoff time. You just look at the last few years, man, of, of defense core. And I, Hey, Colorado could easily win, but mm-hmm. I, I think Vegas, you know, they might, Vegas might be able to pound them. And you talk about it, Frank, a lot of their losses come when they have a short lineup. Well, there's no salary cap in the postseason, right? They're, they're not going to have to worry about that. And I, I, you know, plus Mark Andre Fleury right now, he's still just, guys playing out of his mind at times. So uh, I like their goaltending better uh, in the East. I'm actually, I'm going to take Boston and, and Pittsburgh. And then I will take, uh, I think the Bruins are rolling their, their top two lines. And the, the thing about Boston is if Tuka Rast struggles, Swayman's being unreal. So uh, they have a, you know, we've seen goalie struggle before. If he does, I think they can go to Swayman and um, you know, Boston two months ago, I wouldn't have picked him, but they're rolling right now. And their top six, I think is the best in that division. Huh? I'm, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sleeping on Washington at all. Like I, I know you have them losing, but um, to me, Peter Laviolette is one of the best playoff coaches out there. He's found success, especially in his early tenure with some, some of the teams that he's coached Nashville gets them to a cup final, the flyers to a cup final wins, the Stanley cup with Carolina. There's something about that mojo and not to say, you know, Bruce Cassidy doesn't have it having gotten his team to the Stanley cup final. It's just a little different. Well, I'll say this, the East is the tough, to me, it was the toughest to pick. If, if the, if capitals and Islanders win, I'm not surprised at all. Like they're all separated by six points and it's, yeah. you know, their head to head records are all pretty even. It's, you know, it's almost kind of a pick them really. It's so hard just, to bet against Barry Trotz too. Like, you know, yeah. John Scott, our guest, yeah. he made that the, point. The Islanders, the Islanders they defend so well yeah. though. They haven't been very good lately. So, so I'm, I'm a big believer that how you play going into the playoffs in a lot of cases is, is an illustration of what we're going to see. So that's the only reason I'm not picking the Islanders. And I, I know they're different teams, but the Islanders did beat Pittsburgh somewhat recently in the playoffs as well. And it wasn't even yeah. really a, a battle. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun, man. I can't wait. I'm so pumped for, uh, for Saturday game one, uh, said, Oh, got the TV all set up and it's going to be nice weather. Might have some uh, patio, uh, playoff watching. So, uh, let's bring in uh, producer Ty for our weekly buy or sell. There you go. As always, buy or sell is brought to you by jock market. You can check them out at jockmkt.com or on your app store. The promo code DFO 20 gets you a $20 deposit bonus. One guy who is, he just had an incredible year, but he was always undervalued on the market. Alex DeBrinkat, and even up to one of the final games of the season, uh, when they took on the Dallas Stars, his share opened, or his stock opened at 627, and it closed at 1786. So there's money to be made on Jock Market, and they are getting close to launching in Canada as well. Uh, We're going to have John Scott on in just a few minutes here, so let's get into the fighting mood. I was looking at HockeyFights.com the other night, they had three fights last year in round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, these teams have been playing each other a lot throughout the season, and I think there's already going to be a lot of built-in hatred. I say double that. Six fights in round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs this season. Frank, you buying or selling? Selling. I know there was a fight to open the playoff bubble. Uh, I know these teams have played each other a lot. It just doesn't traditionally happen, and I think with some of the thoroughbreds that are – uh, these teams that are in the playoffs, I just don't see a lot of heavyweights. Oh, I, yeah, I, I agree. There's not a lot of heavyweights, but I'm buying. I think there's a lot of anger from a lot of guys who aren't necessarily uh, regular fighters. And I think you're going to see guys trying to send messages because starting on Saturday, you're either playing game nine 
game 10 or game 11 against your opposition game 11, of course, being Toronto and Montreal. So uh, I think I'm going to go over. Uh, I'm going to buy that for sure. I think we're going to see a few Tillies in the first round. Another over under one. I think these series are all going to be really tight as well. You guys were talking about how many four seeds could, you know, maybe make a push. I'm going to say over. And I was looking at what the sports books have, and this is the, the line they've set. 10 and a half overtime games in round one. I'm going to say more than that. I think these games will be really tight. Jason, you buying or selling? Uh, I'm going to sell. I, I think there'll be a lot of one goal games, but uh, yeah, 10 and a half overtime games, man. That's a lot. Yeah, you know, I, I, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of OT. So uh, I'm going to go under and I will sell. I'm going to go over. Uh, why not? Um, the typical number of overtime games in a, in a playoff calendar year is 22 22 out of like 90 is roughly what they play so yeah i don't know i i think given all that how tight this is i'm gonna take the over yes we're talking about how you know nashville could push carolina potentially and it seems like a lot of these series are going to be really tight do you think we could see more than three and a half overtime or sorry more than three and a half game sevens in round one over three and a half game sevens frank you buying or selling. You kind of got to do the math and like go through each series and go, okay, that one has Under. a chance. That one has I'm a chance. Selling. Under? Yeah. yeah, I'm selling. Uh, I think a bunch of these series are going to be wrapped up quick. I think oh. Toronto takes care of Montreal in short order. I think the Oilers take care of Toronto, and, or excuse me, the Jets in short order. I could see both in the East going seven. Uh, so that's maybe two right there. I think the West are pretty clear cut to me and in the Central as well. I, I, I don't... Uh, I could see maybe three, but I can't see over three. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sell as well. I, three is the number because I, I think the East is set up, and I think that Florida-Tampa series is, is going to be That's the great. only other one I had, yeah. Yeah, my, my wild card is Nashville. I think Nashville might – I think – I wouldn't be stunned if they push Carolina. They have played – and, you you know, Frank talked about it earlier. You see Saros, man, goaltenders – Goaltenders can screw with your head a little bit for opposing players early on when a guy's just robbing you over and over and over. And the other thing, the Preds got it cleared. They're going to have almost 13,000 fans in Smashville yeah. for the playoffs. I think that's going to be a huge home ice advantage for the Predators. I think that's just going to, I think it's going to help every team Homer away to have fans in. But I think in, uh, in, in Nashville, that might be what squeezes them to seven, but I'll still take sell. But I think Nashville, if, if I'm picking one surprise series to go seven, I'll pick that one. Looking at the West, I know you guys touched on them a little bit. It's Colorado taking on St. Louis. It's Vegas taking on Minnesota. Forget seven games. I'm going to say neither of those series even make it to six games. Jason, you buying or selling? Yeah, I'll buy. Um, you know, Frank outlined some really good numbers on Vegas in regards to when they lose and they're short-staffed. Well, they're not short-staffed. And, you know, Minnesota, it's been a great run. They're a young team. And I just like Minnesota is the one team uh, in the NHL that was bottom in the league. They're second in uh, their 30th in hits and they were 28th in, in possession numbers. I, I just don't think that's a recipe for success. I, I think Vegas is just going to be physically dominant over Minnesota. So I will take Vegas uh, for sure under and uh, Colorado, I think is just going to skate all around them. So I think both of those are four or five. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I do think there's a chance, though, that aside from Florida, Tampa, that Vegas, Minnesota is our most fun series to watch. Okay. Interesting. 
Uh, Nathan McKinnon, I want to talk a little bit about him here. I feel like Connor McDavid almost skewed what we consider a really impressive end of the season with what he did. But McKinnon had points in 17 of his last 20. 11 of them were multi-point games as well. I'm going to say Nate Mack goes off and is the NHL scoring leader after round one of the playoffs. Buying or selling? And if you're selling, you got to tell me who you think it'll be. I'll sell only because I don't think he's going to get enough games. I, I think okay. uh, they might win in five, but... You know, it's, it's really hard at this point. Connor McDavid had 20-some points against the Jets this year yeah. in, the, in the regular season. He is absolutely on fire. Um, so I, I will go with probably what's the low-hanging fruit, the easy choice, and say it's McDavid. But he's on a run now, guys. Like, that you just we haven't seen in decades and he's not slowing down. So plus the jets have been a, been a horrible matchup. They give up tons of quality chances. So unless Winnipeg and Paul Maurice in a week can, can game plan to lock things down. I think McDavid's going to go off. Cause keep in mind, I still believe like, Last year's bubbles a little bit different because it was so unique. McDavid still irked about his first ever playoff appearance. He felt mm -hmm. he didn't play up to the level that he, his ridiculously high standard. I think you're going to see him just want to carry his team. So I'll say McDavid. Yeah, I agree. And McDavid all the way. I mean, you see what Connor McDavid's like when he sets his mind to something and has a target and that was to get to a hundred points. And now it's to go off in the playoffs. And by the way, they still were good in the playoffs last year in the bubble. The Oilers didn't lose because of anything that Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl no. did. They had 14 points in that series. I don't understand the narrative and the criticism that came from it. You can't win when you have 860 goaltending. That's, that's just the bottom line. And they were in the hole early with that start that Mike Smith had in game one. And I think that McDavid in this case is going to be the playoff leading scorer after round one this time. I will say this though, uh, Ty, um, I won't be stunned if McKinnon, um, if Colorado gets by Vegas, if he leads the whole playoffs, like McKinnon, you're right. Like McDavid's just kind of gone off, but I was looking at McKinnon's second half of the season. Real. Like it's really good. Really good. Yeah. It's just McDavid's been on another level. Yeah, it's been crazy. Yeah, there you go. That is buy or sell brought to you by jock market. Stay in the game. Jockmkt.com And that promo code, once again, DFO 20 gets you a $20 deposit bonus. Now, there's so many unique storylines to get to. I'm so excited for the playoffs. I can't wait. It's unique that, um, you know, you got Edmonton and Vancouver finishing Edmonton's season on Saturday. Then the playoffs will start later that night. Meanwhile, Vancouver and Calgary are still finishing out the regular season in, in afternoon the afternoon games. Yeah, so kind of like an appetizer for someone to just like, it, it's a, it's a, what's unique about it, Frank, is, and I know that those games do me nothing. So it's probably even worse, but it's going to show you like people should watch the Edmonton. Vancouver game in the afternoon, just to see the different level of intensity that you see in the playoffs. Cause it's like, it might be tenfold because like, what do the orders have to play for Vancouver's, you know, they're just trying to survive mm -hmm. here down the stretch. So, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be much physicality in that game. No. I don't think you're going to see much just at try all. Try not to get hurt. Yeah. And then you go to Boston and Philly who, you know, the, 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 uh, sorry, Boston and Washington, and you know, that Washington loves to play physical. You got the Chara against his former team angle. Like that's, you know, to me, that is such a riveting series. That might be the series I'm most intrigued to watch of all the first rounds because of the Chara angle, because of like Washington's big and mean Boston's got some size. They got a lot of skill on both sides. Like, I love that series, at least on paper. Anyway, it'll be fun. I mean, it it's not Florida, Tampa. I mean, that to me, like 
I cannot wait to watch that series with the venom that's been spewed between oh, those yeah. two teams, with the talent, with the storylines. Kucherov and Stamkos likely back for game one. You've got Sam Bennett, who's been ridiculous coming down from Calgary. You've got a, a Florida Panthers team that's you know bonded together in a way that we really haven't seen since the Vegas Golden Knights. I, I don't know. There's lots going on there, and it's the first time these two teams have ever met in the playoffs. You're going to have mostly full buildings, uh, that's, that's going to be appointment viewing. So that's where I'm at, but, uh, let's get to our big guests of the day, Jason. We welcome to the DFO rundown, a former NHL all-star. He is the host of the very successful dropping the gloves podcast at hockeyfights.com. He's a mechanical engineer and a father of six girls. The legend, John Scott joins us. Johnny, how you doing? Not bad, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Well, buddy, I'm loving the fact that you have your engineer hair going on right now. You know, it's fantastic. You're just looking like like Doc from Back to the Future, just a super smart guy. Listen, I woke up at five and I was like, I got to get out of the house. The kids started to scream and I was like, I don't want to deal with everybody waking up and that whole bomb. So I'm like, I'm just getting out of here as quick as I can. So I literally brushed my teeth in the car on the way to work. I'm like, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> that is the, that's like the opposite of a bag chucker at the hotel. When you get, get there on a road trip, you're like, I'm going to brush my teeth in the car. That's how quickly I got to get out. I'm gone. I don't want to be a part of this when all the kids wake up. You guys probably get, I don't know if you have a oh, lot of no, kids, I, you're like, that's I, the worst part. Dude, I have one and um, you have six, not only six kids, but you have six kids, nine and under like yep. you and your wife, man, like that. you guys are saints. That's outstanding. Now, now are any of the nine, uh, are they hockey players? What do you got them in soccer? What are they, what sports are they playing? Nah, we skate in the winter. It's the girls game isn't huge here in Northern Michigan, but they skate in the summer. It's it's they're girls. They, they, they want to ride horses and they want to play dress up and they want to do dancing and stuff. So nothing yet, but I'm going to get them into golf this summer. See if that sticks. I just want something, you know, I no. can do with them. Let's golf. When you say dancing, John, is that like the John Scott form of dancing on the ice or a little bit, a little bit, maybe uh, more low key? <laughs> No, it's ballet. <laughs> Regretfully. It's the Frank, Frank type of dancing. Yes. Yeah. Well familiar with that. John, well, hey, uh, let's uh, go ahead, Frank. No, I just wanted to start here and ask how much has your life changed since the all-star game and, and the MVP? I mean, I remember talking to you in the days and months that followed that and all the different things that had popped up for you opportunity wise, obviously life is a lot different and more quiet now, but how much did your, everything you do change since then? Well, I, I would be a fool to think that people would want to listen to me or, you know, I'd have any interest in people if I didn't have that all-star game. So it changed everything. I, I got to do a book. I got to go on TV shows. I, I started a podcast and I think all of that is because of the all-star game. If, if people didn't see me there and kind of maybe, get to know me a little bit, I would have never had that exposure and there would be no way I would be doing what I'm doing now. So the all-star game changed my life forever in a good way. And I'm very grateful for that because yeah, there's a movie still in the works. Disney bought the rights to it um, earlier this year. So they're full steam ahead. Um, and we have a successful podcast, me and my, my co-host Tim, uh, we do that. You guys know that. And it's just, uh, you know, it, it was a nice transition from post hockey to be able to kind of just lean into that a little bit rather than, you know, panicking, like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? The paychecks aren't coming in. Um, and then you, you know, you just have that little panic attack where, where's my life headed? So it, it was a nice buffer zone where I can just kind of ride that 
wave, so to speak, for a few years while I figure out what I, what I want to do with my life. Mm -hmm. So you start the podcast and that keeps you talking hockey and keeps your head and, and sort of nose, so to speak, in the game. But then now you become a mechanical engineer. You actually use the degree that you, you got from Michigan Tech. What, what was that process like getting back into the, the, the corporate world and, and, and going back to work? Yeah, it's definitely different because like I, I played pro hockey for 12 years. I, I forgot everything I learned in school, literally everything. So I was lucky enough to find a good position here in Traverse City. The guy who's my boss now who owns the company, he said, come on in once or twice a week. I'll, I'll teach you the ropes and then, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. And so that was a year and a half ago. And now I'm pretty much coming in three, four days a week. You know, I work on contracts, so I'll do a job here and there. And it's really great. And uh, I love it. It's something different where I'm working, you know, uh, I'm not a hockey player anymore. So I'm more known now as an engineer than a hockey player, which is kind of cool. And you know what, John, it's, it's funny because you're a mechanical engineer, obviously got to be pretty bright to be a mechanical engineer. And, you know, you were the tough guy. And I, I think it just kind of, again, illustrates how, you know, there's so it's such a different persona on ice, John Scott to off ice, John Scott. And, and how much, when you combine that, that all-star game, like a lot of people remember, you know, the Patrick Kane, you know, having fun with Patrick Kane. How was that all-star game? I've never really talked to you in depth about it. Just going in, you know, with all these skilled guys and, you know, a lot of them were like, dude, like, I could never do what John does. And so there was like a, a, a mutual respect for a completely different skill set. It honestly, it was, it was nerve wracking. It, it was honestly the, probably the scariest thing I've ever done because everybody their eyes were fixed on me. Everything I did, they were going to analyze it and it was going to be, you're doing this wrong or you just over exceed expectations. So I was, I didn't sleep for a few days before that, just because I, I didn't want to let everybody down. Like there was this huge, obviously whirlwind to get me there. And there was all these people watching me and then supporting me. It's like, what if I go out there and just lay a, lay a, lay an egg on the ice and I'm just terrible. And these yeah. guys are skating circles around me. So I was crazy nervous going up to it. My line mates, my former teammates, Bernsey and Pavelski, they just said, listen, you know, we got you go to the net, put your stick on the ice and it'll be fine. And thankfully I scored my first shift and that just kind of the massive gorilla got off my back and I could have some fun with it. And we had a good coach. Um, Daryl Sutter was the coach and he was just really cool. He's like, listen, all the boys want to play with you. Let me know if you're getting gassed. Well, we'll take care of you. We'll, we'll make sure, you know, you're not out there very long. And, it ended up just being a great weekend and we had fun with it. The skills competition was a train wreck. I couldn't stop shaking my hands and stuff. The hardest shot. I, it was a blur. I, I, it was a mess, but it was just a good, good weekend. But uh, boy, was I nervous, Jason. It was crazy. Funny that you say nervous and, and I, and I understand it because you're on such a big stage and, and everybody's there and you just don't want to embarrass yourself. But were you ever equally nervous before a fight? Oh, all the time. Every single fight, hey, you have to understand that when, like I was arguably one of the top two or three guys in the league for my career. And it's like, you have to win every fight. You there, There's no other end to this or else I look bad. I have to convincingly win every single fight or else I've lost a step or else I've lost a fight. If I don't pummel you, that guy wins. So every single fight I was in, I, I felt that pressure. It's like, you need to decisively win this fight or... You, you lost it. And I've talked about this with George the rock many times because he, he felt that same pressure. It's like, you're the biggest, baddest guy. And if, if you don't win this fight, knock the guy out or do whatever, it's like you, you, it's a failed fight. So before every game, it was nerve wracking because like these guys, 
they wanted to knock my my block off because I was the guy in the league for so long. And it's like, it's like being the Stanley Cup champ. You're going into every rink and it's like, guys are getting fired up to play against you. Guys are getting fired up to fight me. It's like, golly, like it was every night I was just who am I fighting next week? Oh, we're going to Toronto. Who's it going to be? Oh, we're going to Edmonton or Calgary. Who's it going to be? It wears on you for a while, but you know, it just comes with the territory. I was going to ask John, do you have a Did you have a routine? Like when I covered some of the heavyweights that heavyweights that came through Philly, I remember I'd be in the, the locker room, you know, morning skate. And they'd say to me, Hey, Frank is uh Colton or dressing tonight or is so-and-so did you go through that? You, you mentioned like, Hey, I might have to fight that guy when I know I go into this town, but did you have, you know, part of your game day routine, something that you thought about, or did you lose sleep at all? I would honestly, I'm not just saying this cause I, I I'm partners with them. Now I would watch hockeyfights.com always. So if I knew I was going into say Anaheim and we were playing peril, so I would watch his fights for two days prior just to figure out what he's doing, how, you know, if he's doing anything different. And then that day I would go in, like you said, I would, I would talk to my trainer. Cause usually if you're a road team, the home team skates first. I'm like, Hey, is, did Perils get bag skated? Was he on the ice at the end of practice? He's like, no, he was off real. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to fight tonight. And then you completely switch how you're prepping your game. It's like, okay, all I'm thinking about is a fight. I'm not even thinking about the game. I'm not even thinking about my line. That's all I'm thinking about is fighting what am I going to do? How is this going to go down? And I prepped the whole day for that fight, honestly. So it, it's, it became more important than hockey to a certain degree because it, it was so important. It really was. Did you find that to be healthy or unhealthy? Oh, unhealthy. Very much so. Yeah. It, and it did affect my play for a long time because I would train for years just specifically to fight. And I noticed I, you know, lost a step on the ice. And this was for the first, I think years, three, four of my five of my career, where I was like all in on fighting. And then I slowly like realized, well, the league's transitioning. I have to keep up with these guys. All these big heavyweights started to fall off. And I, I kind of transitioned back to working on my skating, my hands and that sort of thing. But yeah, it, it's, uh, it's not healthy. You know, you, you lose a lot of sleep, you worry, you stress, you, you just think about it constantly. And you know, you see on the schedule, okay, Brian McGratton's coming up and it just, it, it wears on you a little bit. Was there anyone like you respect everyone, John? Were you no, I don't. Like, that's not true. Okay. That's fair. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Um, was there anyone that maybe you looked forward to fighting? Then you're just like, God, I can't stand this guy. I liked fighting Fraser McLaren just because he would just go bombs away. I, I I've always been kind of the old school ilk where it's like, let's just, you know, grab onto our, our sweaters and throw punches. And maybe that's because I had a longer reach and I, I had an advantage. I love doing that. So whenever me and Fraser fought, we would square up and we would trade for a good 10 to 15 seconds. And then usually he would kind of turn away because he would catch me. I'd catch him. And then he would turn away. And I love that. And I liked fighting those guys. I hated fighting guys like Cam Jansen because he would, he would hide. He would play, you know, here's, here's my head peekaboo. It's gone. And then he would try to catch you right at the end. It's, and that's how he fought. Cause he was smaller. He had to survive. So like I had a foot on him, but uh, I was just, you know, old school. I loved watching the old fights with Probert and Grimson and those guys. And it's just like, gosh, was that awesome. Right. Just like, let's just see who's got a stronger face and just punch each other in the face for a good minute. And it was just unbelievable. Who, whoever hit you the hardest where, and when you were in the fight, you're like, I don't know if you felt it right away. If your adrenaline's so high, you don't feel it till afterwards, but where was one where you're just like, 
You know, my, my beak say, is still stinging. Matt Karkner, we played him. I fought him a few times and I knew he came in with just, he would come in with the heaviest punch you've ever seen. And I knew it going into the fight. Cause like I said, I'd, I'd done some research and sure enough, right down the pipe, hit me right in the ear and it stunned me, dazed me. I was like, and during the fight, I just stopped. I was like, man, that was a heavy punch. Like that was, it really hurts. And I like had to re-engage. I'm like, okay, like we're still fighting. I didn't go down, but boy, was that a heavy Matt Carter. And then DJ King really belted me one time right in the face. Like it was shook me to my core. That was a heavy one too, but it's not fun to get hit. I've never got hit really, really hard that often, but when you do, it's just you, your world stops and you're like, boy, that was a good punch. But you never really, really fought though until you turn pro because you're playing collegiate hockey There's not a lot of fighting there so how did you how did you learn like how did you get better strutty my co-host told me like when he got to pros you know he barely fought he just kind of had to learn and figure it out and he goes i learned the hard way were you the same or were you kind of a natural fighter i fought in the bars growing up as a kid so i knew how to protect myself my okay. brother was wasn't the best egg you know he in and out of jail his whole life and we you know he, he kind of taught me a few things, but then I fell into a situation in Minnesota where they had Derek Bugart and we roomed together. We trained together. We trained in the off season for a few years and he just took me under his wing. He's like, this is what you have to do. We trained at Minnesota top team in Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis with Jeremy Clark. And it, he honestly changed the way I fought because I used to fight so scared and so nervous. And I, I, I was always afraid of getting hit in the face and boogies like, listen, you got to take one or two to get one of yours, you know, and then yeah. you'll win the fight. And that's how I fought from there on out. I, I would gladly take one or two punches from anybody in the league if I could land one of mine. And so it just kind of changed my way of thinking in fighting because when someone throws a punch, they're not playing any defense. So he's like, you're going to have to eat a punch in order to get yours down, down the pipe. So he changed my whole way of thinking of fighting instead of being defensive and like scared. He's like, just go on the offense. You watch Derek Bugard fight. That guy doesn't play an inch of defense at all. He just sits there and waits. And then once he hits a, Oh, once he lands a punch, your life's over. Like he ends your life. John yesterday, May 13th was the, actually the 10th anniversary of Derek Bugard's passing. I was wondering, you mentioned him a bunch of times. How often do you think of boogie, the boogeyman? Uh, it's funny it more often than not. Uh, yeah. We were good friends. Like I said, I, I ruined with them on the road. When I was with Minnesota, we, our wives were good friends. Uh, we vacationed together. Um, he comes up a lot just because it was, it was so kind of sad how he passed. It, it's funny. He called me before he, like the week before he died, he called me and I just missed his call. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'll get back to him. And it still haunts me that never, I never answered that call. Cause who knows what he was going to you know, ask me about, but, uh, yeah, we think about him quite a bit. His name comes up every few months where it's like, gosh, like, cause I'm the same age as him. Obviously, you know, we're the same type of player and we, there were so much similarities with me and him. And yeah, it, it was sad. It's tragic, but I, I still, I remember the good times. He was just such a good goofy guy. You know, I don't think people saw that side of him. Mm-hmm. Did you ever scrap with him? Well, in the summer all the time, we'd throw on the boxing gloves and we would go at it. It was, uh, if there was a camera in that gym, that would be some footage because boy, we would just beat the snot out of each other for months and months on end. It was wild stuff. We'd throw on karate geese. We'd grab a hold of the gi and you'd have a boxing glove on your right hand and you try to throw the other guy around and get him off balance. And as soon as you got him off balance, you would just knock him out. So it was, uh, it was wild stuff and it was a lot of fun. We did it, I think for four or five years, just, um, going at it every single day in the summer. 
Jen, did you ever, you know, there's lots of people, even though a lot of the stats say, you know, concussions in the NHL, there's like 3% from fighting, but did, did you ever deal with concussion issues in your career or post-career? No, I was lucky. I, like I said, I never got hit too flush that often. You know, my wife thinks I, I have something just because she's like, you're angry today. That's because of your concussions. I'm like, no, it's just because you're, you know, you're getting under my, on my skin a little bit. You're, <laughs> you're being a pest. So, um, but no, luckily, thankfully I was, uh, I don't think I got too many concussions. I think the only times I did were like when I got hit, when I, when I got caught, you know, it, it, in hockey play, I don't think I ever got really any from fighting. Thankfully. Um, speaking of your wife, how, how, what, how was she, uh, you know, did, could she watch you fight? Did she get more aggressive? You know, you mentioned you were tentative early till you met the boogeyman. How, how was your wife handling that? You know, watching her husband have to throw down. She didn't care. She, she didn't like hockey. She was like, this is a means to an end. She's like, I like the paycheck, the game I could do without. It was, you know, she didn't like the lifestyle. She didn't like uh, me going away for weeks at a time on road trips and stuff. So she does. She didn't really care for it. When I retired, she's like, just best day of my life. Like I can start my life with you because during hockey, I was just not present. I was always gone. And you know, the hockey players have a reputation and she didn't like me being on the road all the time and this and that, it was just a strain on our marriage. So she was happy when I was done. She's like, good. All right. Now we can move on. That's done. You can go be an engineer. Let's go. No more hockey talk. So she, she was happy, but she was the one who kind of changed my mind about fighting where I went from being scared to being confident. Cause I was lying in bed one night and this is a true story. I was just on my phone researching fights. I think we were going to play Calgary the next day. And I was like McGrath and I was super nervous uh, and they had Kevin Westgarth too, or no, maybe they didn't. But anyways, I, I was looking at somebody and she's like, Oh gosh, go to bed. And it was like one, two in the morning. And she's like, well, okay, how big is this guy? And I was like, Oh, he's like six, five, two thirty. He's an absolute killer. And she's like, John, how big are you? And I was like, I don't know, six, eight, two seventy five. And she's like, do you not think he's scared of you? And I was like, Oh, you know what? He probably is pretty scared of me. Cause I just like, it. something clicked. I was like, you know what? I am pretty big. So maybe I shouldn't be scared of these guys. Cause you just see them and they're like massive humans. Then you like, you forget that you're bigger than they are. So I don't know. And then it just clicked. And I was like, all right, put my phone down, slept like a baby. And I never worried about it since that was, that was huge for me just to realize that maybe you are scary. <laughs> That's an awesome story. And John, one of the things that you and I had talked about uh, just following the all-star game, and it was so interesting that you mentioned that your wife's view of the game was that it was a means to an end. And in our conversations, I felt like in some ways that might've also been true with you in terms of, you know, just kind of all that you went through, especially towards and in and around that time. Did you ever feel that way about hockey? Did your, did your view change? I mean, maybe obviously you start and you're excited. Did it get to that point in your career? Oh, without a doubt. I think that happens with everybody, everybody, but Patrick Marlowe. Um, <laughs> Cause he just loves that game boy. He really does, but no, it becomes a business. It becomes something where you realize that, listen, you're making a lot of money doing this. So you're going to do everything you can to stay in the game. And I think after, you know, the third or fourth time a GM lies to you or a coach tells you something and it's done, you know, he doesn't mean it. And you just, you become jaded. You, you become just a part of the, the system and you, and you know, you have to worry about yourself, you know, and that, that's what it, it comes to. And 
I, I realized that I think in my third or fourth year, where it's like, okay, these guys don't care about me. I got to worry about myself. I need to put myself in a good situation. I need to work on what these teams want me to do. And that's what I did. You know, I, I wanted to, you're making a ton of money. Like you're making millions of dollars and, and you want to continue to do that for as long as you can. So I did that, you know, I, I made sure I was a good teammate in the locker room. I made sure I, I won all my fights. I wasn't a distraction. And that's what kept me in the league for a lot longer than a lot of these other tough guys. So, you know, it, it became like a job for me. It wasn't a passion. It wasn't something I had fun doing. It, it was a job for me. And I think that's you, a lot of guys would say that, uh, you know, at the tail end of their career where they just want to, you know, make that check and go out there. Hockey's fun. Don't get me wrong. I love doing it, but you have to be realistic about, okay, like I, I want to stay in this game and this is what I have to do to stay in this game. Mm -hmm. Now that you're out, this may sound like a dumb question, but I've always wondered, how are your hands? Do you have any issue with your hands? Constant arthritis and just they're sore when it's cold out. Yeah. Like, like every other fighter, my, my thumbs busted up. My fingers are all broken. It's just, it, it's the nature of the beast. You punch helmets, you punch glass, you, you hit, you know, the wrong part. I had my thumb ripped off in a fight because I missed him and I, hit his Jersey and my thumb literally came right off. So it, it they're sore. It, it, it's just, uh, you know, the price you pay. So yeah, I don't know. My, my face is sore. My hands are sore. <laughs> and it just happens. <laughs> what, where did your thumb come off? What fight was that? It was in the AHL. I was fighting Troy Bodie. I went to throw a punch and he must've moved or I just missed. And it hit his rate the jersey above his collarbone and literally it was called a compound dislocation where oh. the knuckle on your thumb breaks and the, it pokes through the skin so i literally threw the punch came back through another punch and the ref's like john your thumb and i looked and it was folded right over oh. and so i went back to the room and it was like flopped over the only thing holding it on was the skin and the ligaments so i went to the room and you know the ahl or for those of you who don't the trainers aren't like that certified he's like ah, i don't know what to do like maybe he put some ice on it and so i just popped it on stuck it back in place and i started to move it a little bit and i was like i i th think i can play because there was the nhl guys were there the wild guys were there so i was like i think i can go back in um what should i do he's like we should probably go to the hospital and so we went to the hospital but it, yeah it was honestly i just took it put it back on. I was like, oh. and so now I have literally no movement in it and it's still all swollen and beat up, but I don't know. Uh, Iowa doctors aren't the greatest, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, Johnny, you know, so I, uh, my, my thumb here, my uh, ring finger on this one, uh, I was at a Vegas nightclub and uh, somehow bent over the railing and had this nurse and my thumb was, that was pointing this way and I was buckled and I literally pulled it up and it went back in and I was like, Oh, that feels okay. And then about 30 minutes later, it was just throbbing and they're like, you're an idiot, but uh, I can't imagine your thumbs. So, and I, and I was, I was full of, uh, you know, whatever what? juice I'd been drinking yeah, all you night were. and it still hurt. So I can't imagine you just sitting there bringing your thumb back in. And I call it my Oprah finger, you know, a joke because it just used to get really thick and thin. And now it's, now it just doesn't ever go my down. My Oprah finger. <laughs> so wait a second. Did you say you were bent over a railing in a nightclub? No, I'd leave, no, what need to explain was, this part a little bit yeah, more. No, no, no. What happened was we were dancing and someone came up behind me that I didn't see. And I was, you know, we were busting a move and I stepped back onto their foot and then I lost my balance. And I just put my hand against a railing to, so I wouldn't fall. And just somehow and how I grabbed it, it just totally ruined my finger. Yeah. Gross. But I didn't go, I didn't go to the hospital, which is probably stupid, but 
I stayed up all night with the guys. So that's my level of toughness, John. It's a little bit lower. Than that's yours. a better story than mine to be in a Vegas nightclub and have your thumb rip off and keep going. You put it back on. Y'all going to take another vodka crayon. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, what? you know, your alcohol can sometimes uh, numb the pain. And I think in that case, it, uh, it definitely did. Now, you know what, John, we talk about a lot of tough guys and you mentioned the mental part of it. The reality for a lot of them, they admitted that, you know, they had, you know, substance abuse issues. Was that, was that ever a challenge for you at all? Or were you able to, to not have to medicate that way when you played? I didn't really, uh, the only time I had an issue, I had my nose crushed and I had to get it fixed because I, I couldn't breathe. And I, I had surgery came off, started taking, I think it was Percocet. And I literally took it for a day and a half. And my wife was like, you need to stop taking those because you're literally a zombie. And so I, we flushed them down and then that was the end of it. So I was lucky enough. I had someone to look after me. So I think a lot of these guys, you know, they don't, and they're just kind of sitting in their room and they are in pain and they pop a Percocet or this and that, and then Oxycontin and it just kind of gets out of control. But no, those things are, they, they're scary stuff. So oh, I luckily I never had that. Now, before we get to rapid fire, because we always like to rapid fire, just have a few quick questions about, you know, you're watching your former team, the Minnesota Wild. They finally know who they're going to play. They're going to take on Vegas. You got Colorado taking on the, the 2019 champs. So who do you like in the West? Well, gosh, I, we just had Ryan Reeves on the podcast yesterday, and he was talking about he's going to be back for the playoff uh, push. And he honestly said, I asked him, well, what did you think about the Wild taking liberties with your guys? You know, they're looking pretty confident out there. And he's like, listen, I'm taking notes. I have my little notebook. I know what I have to do. I'm going to be back for playoffs. So I expect Vegas just to run through the Wild. The Wild, it was a good story. They, you know, it's an exciting team. Kaprizov really changed the dynamic of that team with Zuccarello and those guys. But Vegas is too strong. Uh, the Avalanche are too strong. I feel like those two series are just going to, I don't want to say sweep, but maybe a five-game series for both of them. And then this will be, in my opinion, the two best teams going at it in the second round, which is a shame with the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. I think whoever wins this series is going to win the Stanley Cup. I think these two teams are really, really strong. Uh, I like the Colorado Avalanche. I think they're built. This is their year. They've kind of had a couple years where they faltered and didn't play as well. But gosh, I like the way they're built. If Grubauer can stay healthy, if those forwards can keep clicking the way they're clicking, they're a really good team. They have a good, young, exciting defense who can get up in the rush. No one talks about Taves, how good he's doing this year. I just really, really like the Colorado Avalanche coming out of the West. So, John, who do you like in the East? You've got Boston and Washington and the New York Islanders and Pittsburgh, four teams that have sort of been really grouped together all year long. It's exciting. This Capitals-Bruins series is going to be great. I'm so excited to see how this turns out. You got, there's so many storylines, especially with Chara and all that, but they split the season series. It's going to be great. I, I don't, I want to pick Washington just because I don't like the Bruins, but for some reason, the Bruins always managed to pull it out. They were, they were all for dead two months ago. Remember everyone was writing them off at the deadline. Like this team is done. And all of a sudden you get Taylor hall and they're a completely different team. So I like the Bruins in that one. And then can you really pick against um, Barry Trotz? Can you? Like, they always seem to be the underdogs. Everyone just doesn't take them seriously until they win a few rounds. I honestly like the Islanders coming out of the East. I, I think their, their pickups of the deadline, Palmieri and Zajac, are going to really turn it on in the postseason. They're going to do what they were brought in to do. I like the Islanders beating Pittsburgh, and I like the Islanders beating Bruins, and they're coming out of the East. So are the Islanders the only four seed, you think, that has a chance to, to win? Um, yeah. Cause I don't think who's the fourth seed in the East. That's going to be, it's the Islanders, Montreal, Nashville, oh, yeah, sorry. Montreal. And then you've got, uh, in the West St. Louis. Yeah. I think 
the Islanders is the only seed. And they, gosh, they were first place in the East for the longest of time. I think they're that's the most parody when you when you look at divisions as the East. They could have easily mm-hmm. had five teams compete. So I think the Islanders is the only one who really has a chance. Maybe St. Louis can steal a couple games, but Colorado is just so strong. I, I can't see them getting by Colorado. Mm-hmm. And then Montreal is just going to be beat down in the North. I know we're not going to touch on them, but they're not going to stand a chance. Last one for me before rapid fire. I got to ask you a quick state of the game question. You had your rant on Twitter about the department of player safety. Uh, obviously we mentioned George Paros and maybe squaring off with him at one point in your career. What do you make of, of where things are uh, the Tom Wilson play and, and how do you, how does John Scott, if you were going to draw up a blueprint of how to fix the department of player safety, what would you do? I think there just has to be a little more clarity. I think it would be nice to get George's reasoning of why he didn't find Tom Wilson. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. So just like they do the behind the scenes with hockey and football, like have a camera in the room where he's deliberating, how, why he's going to suspend them, why he's not going to suspend them, because there needs to be consistency. And I don't, I don't think you're seeing that in the NHL right now. Every, every situation is its own entity. And I, I don't think that should be the case. I think, you could certainly have situations that are similar and be like, okay, well, that one is just like that one. So we're going to kind of suspend the guy the same way. So it would be nice to have a little bit more just behind the scenes look of what George goes through because no one knows what he was thinking, deliberating about when, with the Tom Wilson thing, he just came out and goes $5,000 fine. It's like, okay, well, why tell us why? Like, let us know what you were talking about. It'd be cool to have just a camera there, but I, they'll never do that because, you know, obviously Gary Bettman's in the room saying don't suspend Tom. So, but um, I don't know. I don't know if there is a way to change it just because there's always going to be people who hate the decision. There's always going to be people who love the decision. You're never going to please everybody. And it's just the nature of the beast. He's just trying to do his best to kind of make everybody happy. But I think, you need to, okay, if you knee a guy, you're going to get three or four games, depending on the severity. If you hit someone from behind, it's going to be four games. If if you do a dirty play, uh, you're going to get this amount of penalty. I just think there needs to be a standard set, and then based on the severity of it, you can adjust the suspension. Now it's just like, oh, who knows what's going to happen. If, if you spear a guy, if you butt end a guy, you're going to get two games. You know, that would be good for me. So players know exactly what you're going to get. Well, basically a hip toss is a $5,000 fine is what right. we, uh, we understand now. Yeah, choke slam, it, hip toss, hair pull is $5,000. Yeah, a little rest, a little WWE. John. Or if you're in a nightclub for Jason, that's just a good time. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Let's get to uh, rapid fire, John. The only rule is you have to answer uh, every question. We like to have a little bit of fun with this. Uh, uh, rapid fire today is brought to you by Manscaped and the new Lawnmower 4.0. It's officially launched. Want to keep uh, everything nice and trim down there, fellas. As Frank likes to say, it's a gift for your wife. Check it out at manscaped.com. Use the promo code DFO21 and you'll get uh, 20% off and free shipping. Uh, John Scott, okay, John, I'd like to know, (laughs) what did you say to Phil Kessel right before the face-off? I leaned over, I said, Phil, I'm going to jump you, heads up. And did you guys laugh about it afterwards? Like, I like no. I, I will give Phil credit. He knew he couldn't take down John Scott, but he did give you a pretty good slash on the uh, on the skate laces. True story. After the game, I saw him in the hallway and I grabbed him by the neck in the back. I'm like, ah, oh, Phil, I'm sorry I did that. You know, my bad. And he honestly just was super pissed. So <laughs> <laughs> he did not like that at all. So I've tried to text him 
here and there and like get him on my podcast to talk about it. And he just flat out ghosted me. So he was not happy about the whole situation. That's funny because you didn't really do anything to him. No, I didn't. Didn't touch him. Didn't yeah. even touch him. Yeah. You just said, I'm going to jump you, but you didn't actually do it. It just scared him. And so I understand why he was so angry about it. That's kind of funny. Um, of all the teammates you played with, who wasn't a fighter, who do you think, like, who would have been the best lightweight fighter amongst guys you played with? The lightweight fighter. I would have to say someone who's going to be strong. Gosh, like a Merrick Zidlicki who was just a little bulldog compact guy, never got into a fight, but just super strong. So maybe a, a Zidlicky. That's a way off ball answer. That was, yeah. I like that. I totally uh, never would have guessed it at all. Now you're a mechanical engineer. What is the difference between a chemical engineer and a mechanical engineer? Chemical engineers are very smart and they deal with chemicals. I listen, I took one chemistry class in college and I absolutely hate it. I just squeaked by, I think I got like 55%, but they're, they're very smart. Mechanicals are the, the more practical guys. Your favorite goal you scored in the NHL. Oh, so many Jason. Um, I would say the, uh, when I went top shelf on Holpe, that was a cool one. Okay. And uh, what is John Scott, uh, maybe after a, uh, a riveting podcast or watching a playoff game, what is your cocktail of choice? Just, uh, I'm a simple guy, Labat Blue. Just give me a beer. Give me okay. six or seven of them and I'm fine. Okay. And if you could give Connor McDavid any advice in an all-star game, what would it be? Get voted in by the fans and... <laughs> No, gosh, I'm not giving him advice. Just uh, win the MVP. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I would think so. Well, John, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Also, uh, continued success on your on your podcast, uh, Dropping the Gloves. It's just killing it. It's awesome. I have thank one you. more rapid fire for John, and apologies Ooh. for this late entry, but I had just remi was reminded of this scene. Let me set it for Ooh. you. So John Scott comes into TSN for Free Agent Frenzy, he makes his TV debut and afterwards uh, we go out for dinner and a few pops. And at some point in the night, we link up with, it's myself, John Scott, another media member who shall remain nameless because I didn't ask for permission to tell this story and Brendan Shanahan and Lou Lamorello. And we're sitting there and I like, this is a few years ago. So I'm still kind of new and I'm, um, I'm like Odie in Garfield. Like I just sit there in the corner, kind of like mind my own business. Don't say anything. And at one point, totally unprompted, Lou Lamorello says to John Scott, John, time to hang it up. Like it was just full, like your career's over. You had a great run, just giving you some advice. That's it. And like, I was just like, oh my God, is he going to punch him? Like what's happening? Like, why are you telling John Scott what to do? What's going on here? And I was curious, and I don't know if I asked you, but what was your reaction in that moment? It was one of the most strangest things that have, that had ever happened because like you said, it was just like, we were just having a nice conversation. And then Lamorello goes, so you're going to hang him up, right, John? Time to go. You know, you've had your good run. I was like, I was like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, you, and you don't want to get into a fight with Lou Lamorello because he was a big deal and Shanahan's right there. And they're just like, it was so strange. I was, in, I was upset. I was insulted. I'm like, this prick is telling me to hang it up. And I just literally am coming off like the whole all-star debacle. And I, I, I was thinking about playing, you know, I, I was entertaining the idea, but he just like, I was like, all right, you know, good piece of advice, Lou, I'll, I'll take it into consideration. But I was like, shove it, buddy. Like, I don't need your input. If I want it, I'll ask you. 
And if not, just keep your, keep your mouth shut. So I wasn't too excited that he told me that, but Hey, good for, I, I did hang him up. So I did take his advice. I get, but well, it was strange, right? It was so weird. I just want to say for the record, I was terrified. I don't know if I already put that out there, but like, I was sitting there like, please, no one look at me. Like, I'm not people, like, I'm not saying a word here. Like I'm just an innocent bystander. But it was it was a weird situation where we did not plan to meet up with them. We just went no, to this little bar. Happened. Yeah. And they're sitting in a dark corner and we're like, is that Shanahan and Lou Lamorello and the person we were with who were remaining remain nameless? He he knew them. So we went over and sat with them and stuff. And it was uh it was so bizarre. It was really yes, weird. It was. Well, what a, what a time to be alive. Yeah. Right? It was funny. Funny a guy like Lou would say that. Like you'd think Lou, if anybody would be encouraging everybody to stay around as long as you possibly can. So yeah, but he, yeah, right. What is he, 85, 90 years old? But he <laughs> listen, he knows his hockey. He's gonna be a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. And uh, he is a Hall of Famer. He is already. Yeah, he was inducted a long time ago. Well, there oh, you yeah. go. He's a Hall of Famer, so you can't really dump on him. He's done more in hockey than I ever wished to do. So whatever. He knows better than me, I guess. Good times. <laughs> Well, John, uh, hey, you're having tons of success. So not many guys can say they're the MVP of the All-Star Game and now have a very successful podcast. So you're doing all right. I have a trivia question. Who is the only two guys who retire after winning the MVP in an All-Star Game? Yourself and Wayne Gretzky. Boom. Frank knows. Yeah. See? Yeah, there you go. Well, hey, Gretzky and Scott, you know? It's, you like, know, peas, it's like peas and carrots, John. Not bad company. What can I say? <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> John, we'll have to get you back on again. We really appreciate it. Continued success and uh, enjoy the mechanical engineering, whatever that entails. Oh, it's riveting. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me on. Good luck. Sharp, sharpen your pencil, John. Thanks a lot. Take care. <laughs> See you guys. John Scott, man. What an absolute beauty. Like I just, he's just so calm and direct in his approach, Frank. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a surprise. He's successful in his podcast for sure. Uh, people can get it at uh, hockeyfights.com. But also just, you know, his honesty. And uh, it's a hilarious story with, with Lou Lamarillo. You're sitting yeah. there and Frank's just like, can I have another beer, please? Give me another yeah, beer. Uh, hurry up. Yeah, waiter, please. Um, but it's the honesty and, and also the openness. Like he doesn't pull punches. He doesn't hold back. And he's always sort of been true to himself. I mean, we look at John Scott as, you know, I made the joke about sharpen your pencil. He's a mechanical engineer. But as he was playing at Michigan Tech, he was the guy studying for engineering tests on the bus. Like we think of these, everyone has this idea of what the NHL's tough guys are like and enforcers, goons, uh, you know, his book, uh, a guy like that, you know, and, and, and the different narratives that exist. In my time covering hockey, I have found every single enforcer with like seriously without fail. It's one of the only rules in hockey is that they are pretty much all tremendously good people. And that's how they make it in this game. It's a real honest living. And I'm, I'm glad for John Scott that he's stayed true to his roots. I know it's awesome. Uh, speaking of awesome, Frank, I know you haven't got it, but uh, look at this, got the DFO rundown, the first one hot off the presses. So uh, people can get those. I uh, love it. Uh, you can check it out at nationgear.ca. Uh, uh, Frank, quickly, who's in the Stanley Cup final? I'm going to say Carolina against Ooh. Vegas, Carolina, Vegas. I like it. Um, it's hard to pick against that. I I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I could say Colorado, Florida. Like there's so many things yo, that I'm thinking. I know I was, I was, I'm going to go Boston versus Vegas. All right. 
No. Well, then we'll meet in Vegas and then maybe, you know what? I think the we'll, other day I'm we'll go to a nightclub. We'll go to Vegas. We'll go to oh. a nightclub and then we'll check your finger and we'll have a million vodka Red Bulls. And dude, we'll you know what? I, I, at this point, I've said this all along, man, I can't wait to, I, I would go to a party in a field right now. Like we, there's nothing like just give me in a field, man. I don't care. Spoken like a true farmer, just anywhere, just, you know, a good old fashioned Bush party, Frank, you yeah. know, God, like just anything here. Like we're still in lockdown. I'm we're, sick of it. we're living here in the U S the mask yeah. mandate is ending. Life yeah. Well, is- Hey, it's amazing. What vaccine, please get your vaccine folks. That's all I have to say. Please get your vaccine. Have a wonderful day, Frank. We'll talk to you. Uh, setting up next week. We'll have some playoff hockey to talk about. Sounds good. Bring it on. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Play now 
at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.